Welcome back into Press Row here on ESPN 105.1 The Zone. David Pascal, Jay Greeson, Brooks Carter producing the show. Hoping everybody out there is having a terrific, terrific Tuesday. What well, is always a pleasure to welcome back into Press Row Dane Bradshaw, the former Tennessee Vol, uh, does a great job with the SEC Network, the president of Thunder Enterprises, uh, father of threes, a man of many hats. Dane, thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? Thrilled to be on with you guys. Doing fine. All right, I got to ask, you were a senior on that 06-07 team, so you played with Chris Lofton, Juwan Smith, Wayne Chisholm. The year after you left was when Tennessee got to number one the first time. Tennessee is number one again. You probably knew I was coming at you right away with this. How would you compare those two teams? Which one do you think is stronger? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I, I got it. You know, I got to give the nod to this year's team. Their, their consistency is just off the charts. Uh, um, I think they're, yeah, they're, they're they're built differently. And I think the fact that um, it, it could be, and it was successful, but the style of play in in 2008, where it was a little bit more, you know, up and down, shooting a bunch of threes. And the other part that I is that people tend to forget is that, you know, that 08 team became number one in the country. And Tyler Smith uh, was eligible that year, and he was a huge part of that. J.P. Prince played really well. But Chris Lofton didn't have the type of year you'd want to have from him, and rightfully so, because he was he was uh, privately recovering from uh, 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 cancer treatment. You know, and so he, Chris Lofton was not as good his senior year as a player on the court as he was his junior season. And so when, when you put together, you know, the way this year's team's built versus, hey, that 08 team with a really an unhealthy Chris Lofton, uh, I think you got to give the nod here. And that's interesting. And, and if I was to say, put your analyst hat on, put your coaching hat on, uh, how would the 08 chant team have the best chance to beat this team? And well, let's just start there. If if that 08 team, how would how would it have to beat this year's team? Well, they would like to speed the game up. You know, they got plenty of shooters on the court with the Jawan Smiths and, and the Loftons. Um, but they were also a team that you know maybe unlike Bruce Pearl's earlier teams that had to speed the game up. That, that wasn't the only way they could win either because of the length of Tyler Smith, J.P. Prince, Duke Cruz, Wayne Chisholm, those guys. So it's not as if, hey, if we don't dictate the tempo and make 15 threes, we're not going to win. And so, look, they could play that this type of style with Tennessee as well. But I, I think the, the quality of depth that, that this year's Tennessee team has, um, the way they get to the free throw line, just how, how they play for 40 straight minutes, it's it's not a a roller coaster ride throughout the course of the game, um, you know. Right now, I, I I just I gotta go with this year's team as much as I hate to say it. Now now, had I still been eligible and was playing on that OS team, I <laughs> there can guarantee you go. my 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 answer would be a lot different. <laughs> there you go. All right, we had Andy Kennedy on late last week, and he was great. Uh, and I asked him this very same question. You know, when you rewind with this year's Tennessee team, if you go back a year, I mean, you would you would always hear about Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield. And now you're just hearing about so many more. I mean, you know, Grant Williams can have that one for eight night, and, and, and Tennessee doesn't miss a beat. I know that uh, – and, and so I was just kind of curious, who do you kind of – 
pull for if you take Grant and Admiral Admiral Schofield off the court or or out of this equation, who do you kind of root for and who do you see that has made so much more improvement from a year ago? I thought coming into the year, the biggest question I mark I had for Tennessee and a reason really, uh, honestly, I did not pick them to be first in the league. I picked Kentucky because of just John Calipari's reputation with point guards, seeing the top-rated recruits they had coming in at that position. And I just I, I wanted to be sold on Jordan Bone but I hadn't seen enough yet to be sold on him. And that, to me, was the missing piece for this team. And, boy, has he answered that question. I mean, he has come in and he has learned how to manage the game better. And I think, you know, sort of a blessing in disguise for Jordan Bone was when Lamonte Turner, the sixth man and backup point guard, was injured earlier this year. Because Rick Barnes is really tough on his point guard, specifically Jordan Bone, because he's so demanding and so when Jordan Bone didn't have to look over his shoulder anymore or every time he made a mistake he wasn't getting taken out, once Jordan Bone started having to play 30, 32 minutes a game, I think he gained more confidence. I think Rick Barnes gained more confidence in him. And since then, he has taken the lead of this team and not had to look back. You're listening to Dane Bradshaw. does a great job with the SEC Network and uh, the former Tennessee volunteer. You're listening to Dane here on Press Row on ESPN 105, One The Zone. Dane, you've been with the SEC Network for a little bit. How has your role changed this season compared to the last couple of years? It bounces around. My package is basically, uh, other than a couple games here and there, pretty much every Saturday I'm, I'm usually somewhere different. And uh, you know, recently, just by coincidence, I've had LSU several times in a row. And that's a talented team right there. I wish they were coming to Knoxville this year. I believe Tennessee goes there. Uh, I think maybe late February, but that's going to be a team that's going to be really tough for the Vols because they got some athletes and Will Wade, who everybody was familiar with that followed UT Chattanooga. He's he's gone on to do some great things and he is coaching them up down there at LSU. So, um, but anyway, it's been really fun to watch the league grow because when I started with the SEC Network, uh, you know, it was like all you could talk about is Kentucky and then who was going to beat Kentucky because there were no other storylines. Everything else was pretty much the same of trying to apologize for a team as they rebuild. But now, you know, you, you see it hadn't been just one thing. It's been several things. The facilities, the SEC network, the money they've been giving back to these schools to invest in their programs, the coaching hires. And and now all of a sudden people look at SEC and basketball and it's got great credibility. Dane, when Andy Kennedy, he, he brought up, I asked him, who's got the best shot of being Tennessee's chief challenger down the stretch? And he brought up LSU, not only because of the talent that you're talking about, but because they play a lot of the, just the way the scheduling is, they play a lot of the big boys that are up there only once this year uh, instead of twice. But if I gave you uh, the choice of LSU or Kentucky, I mean, Kentucky obviously with a big win in a hostile atmosphere at Auburn on Saturday, uh, who would you go with? You mentioned Kentucky as your pick before this season if i gave you kentucky or lsu being the chief nemesis for tennessee down the stretch who are you going with uh kentucky does have the tougher schedule but oftentimes when, when it becomes you know when i have to kind of break the tie with myself if somebody's just as talented as kentucky the reason i'll typically give kentucky the edges and and it's no disrespect to anybody else's home court but you you gotta think it's so rare for kentucky to lose a home game that if they can just hold serve on their home court, now all of a sudden they go on the road, you know, if they can, you know, even lose three games on the road, that should be enough 
um, in SEC play to win the conference championship at 15 and three. So a lot of times that's, that's the reason that I'll, I'll give Kentucky a little bit of an edge is, is mainly just because of the home court. Now, with that said, I also didn't necessarily foresee, I'm not sure many people did that when Tennessee's preseason rank came out at number five, everybody's like, wow, well, that's flattering. I don't know if they're that good, but just, you know, even if they can be close to that, that'd be awesome. Well, now all of a sudden they've handled those ex- expectations. They've exceeded them. And that home court environment is now as good, if not better, than any in the SEC right now. All right. Your coach, Bruce Pearl at Auburn, uh, they shared the title with Tennessee last year. Uh, this year, they, they don't seem to be quite what they were. I don't know if it's a chemistry thing. I mean, obviously, Wiley's out for a couple of weeks. Purifoy, I know they were counting on him back, and he hardly even plays now. What about the dynamics of, of, of Auburn? Yeah, it, it's it's a weird situation there, and it, it's not – and it's not something you want to overreact to necessarily because the only two games they've lost were they went on the road to a really hot Ole Miss team under Kermit Davis where uh, the pavilion was, when we talk about home court environments, was, was really rocking. So they caught Ole Miss at probably the worst time. And then a Kentucky team that's on the rise, and they fight back and have a chance to win it at the end of the game. So you don't want to overreact to it, but it has it hasn't been the smoothest season, even if it's been productive for Auburn. And it's for a lot of the things you mentioned. Now Austin Wiley is going to be back at a lineup, their big center, for a couple weeks with an injury. They were waiting to get Daniel Purifoy back, a guy that was um, supposed to be sort of a, a starter and a star for them, and, and they're still trying to figure out how to get him back. And then, you know, Mustafa Heron was a big-time player for them last year. He transferred to St. John's, and he was a huge threat from a scoring standpoint on the wing. So so this team has a lot of people returning, but it's also a, a new team in a lot of ways. So, um, and it's, look, in January and in basketball, oftentimes by the end of the year, you're applauded for not peaking too early, unlike football where you got to, you know, you lose one game, your playoff chances might be done. So I think Auburn's got plenty of time to figure it out, get better, and I don't think they're peaking quite yet for all those reasons. Dane, I want to ask you something about the Auburn-Kentucky game because we're also on the heels of a, of a wild uh, NFL weekend where with the non-pass interference call in the Saints-Rams game, there's all this talk about the NFL in the offseason looking to see should pass interference calls be reviewable. Uh, we already live in an NFL where they go to the monitor a lot, and of course in the first half of that Auburn-Kentucky game especially, and, and Dick Vitale was going nuts over this during the broadcast, it seemed like four or five times the officials would stop play and go to the monitor. Are you happy with where the college game is right now, or do you think there are too many stoppages with these officials going to the monitor? I don't think it would be as big of a deal if the men's game would look at the women's game and copy and paste. Four quarters, four 10-minute quarters, It the, the speed of the game in terms of the length of, of time it takes has gone from a, a two-plus hours to a averaging around an hour 45 hour 50 minutes and when you have and and it's not just a women's game college basketball for men is now the only form of basketball that plays two halves instead of four quarters and to me what it does is aside from just the, the reviews and all that but at the end of a first quarter it gives you more time to make adjustments 
so it's it's more strategic for the coaches. You can manage your foul trouble typically a little bit better instead of a star player being out for the for the entire half because he picked up two fouls. Maybe after one foul, they sit him until the second quarter. It's a fresh start. Um, you know, the if you get in the bonus early in in the half, it's not 13 minutes of free throws. And then furthermore, I mean, you get four buzzer beaters instead of two. So I mean, there's a lot of reasons that I think uh, there's been so much success to going four 10-minute quarters, and you know, and what they do is they review it under one minute. So again, the 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 total is still four minutes throughout the course of a game, but it doesn't seem as drawn out if it's the last minute of each quarter as opposed to the last two minutes of each half, where you know so many reviews can all be jumbled up into one segment there. Interesting. You've got a couple more minutes with Dane Bradshaw, who does a great job with the SEC Network, of course, the former Tennessee volunteer. Dane, I'm going to ask you one more question that I asked Andy. Uh, because it's just such an enigma, the Georgia job. Uh, Georgia, you know, has not had a recognized NCAA tournament win since Tubby Smith's first season there in 1996. And, you know, you're right up the road from Atlanta, you know, the talent that is in that state, and it just seems like they live in this cycle of uh, giving coaches a shot and then they, you know, have to rebuild and do it all over again. They're taking their lumps already again this year in year one of Tom Crean. What about that Georgia job and why can't Georgia be more of a consistent power in college basketball? And Mark Fox did a really good job with him, with them. But you know, I know there's obviously a desire to do more. And I think he he wanted to be able to do more and accomplish more at Georgia. It was interesting because I've had Georgia earlier this year, and Tom Crean, when he was looking at the job, it was almost like he looked at the conference. These aren't his words; these are mine. But in talking with him, it was almost like him talking, him looking at the SEC as a whole and then the athletic directors and administration as well at Georgia. But it, it started with the SEC and who they had involved running the basketball side to represent them and the, the reputation of the conference and, and how seriously they took basketball made it feel like, okay, this is a multi-bid type league for a long time. And that's what you have to have, that type of commitment throughout throughout the whole conference for a team like Georgia to have a maybe a Cinderella year like South Carolina did a few years ago. Um, and so I think Georgia's going to be on the right path. I know everybody's heard that before. The, the trick we were talking about this past weekend, I had a game, I said, you know, Tom Crean's in a tough spot because the players that he has on his roster right now don't fit the type of system that he wants to implement for the future. And so that's where you're like, okay, do I play – give us the best chance to win today. And by doing that, it might delay the foundation I'm trying to build from a scheme standpoint, or do you take your lumps and just try to get the players you have now to learn the system you want, get a year under their belt. So you're better the following year. And I think right now he's taking the latter approach because he likes to get a lot of spacing, a lot of three point shots. And right now he's got big guys and not three point shooters. So it is a tough mix right now. Uh, but they're learning as best they can. And finally, Dane, I mean, one of the things that made the SEC so much fun last season is everybody finished in between 13 and 5 and 5 and 13 within league play. It was just a fun race all the way through. When you compare this year's league to last year's league, uh, I don't think you're going to have that same kind of window because it looks like Tennessee's going to blow through 13 and 5, and Vandy, you know, with the unfortunate loss of Garland early, could be a lot worse than 5 and 13. But, 
even though it may not be the top to bottom, uh, do you think the league is as strong, stronger, about the same? How would you gauge that? I'd say that the top is stronger. It's it's not as deep. Um, last year there were eight teams that made the NCAA tournament. This year, I think you're looking at a solid six, maybe seven, and, and who knows what happens in the SEC tournament. Maybe one more team squeaks in. But I think when you look at um, you know Tennessee, Auburn, Kentucky, and LSU, that's four teams right there. And Mississippi State's a really talented team. They haven't got it all together quite yet, but that's four teams that I've got more confidence in this year take making a deep run into the NCAA tournament as opposed to four teams at the top of last year's SEC making a deep run. Well, Dane, listen, great stuff, and, and a lot of folks in Chattanooga know you and like you, and there's no doubt had you been on that 08 team, that 08 team would have been the greatest in, in humanity all time. <laughs> hey, that was a tough pill to swallow, man. I was the only player that departed from the 07 team, and, and you want to be missed a little bit. <laughs> and then when you're the only player that, that leaves and they replace you with a better guy and you're watching on TV them get the number one ranking, it, it, it doesn't make you feel very missed, but, you know. <laughs> Well, Dane, great stuff. You do a great job with the SEC Network. We love having you on here, Press Row, and uh, look forward to talking to you down the road. Anytime, guys. Thanks a lot. All right. Dane Bradshaw, again, does a fantastic job with the SEC Network. Back with more. 648-1051 is your number. You're listening to Press Row here on ESPN 105.1 The Zone. <laughs> 